If you don't have faith, you don't have hope. And without hope, uh, what do you have to do? I may be going through everything physically, but I'm not the only one going through it. Disease affects uh, so much more than just a person. Quite frankly, uh, sometimes I believe it's easier on me than it is on the ones around me. Uh, that's probably, you ask what's most difficult. That's probably what the most difficult thing is, is seeing how it can rob or take so much energy from other people. And specifically, those that are closest to you. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a full time. There's no doubt of an attitude of positivity and looking on the bright side of things and being thankful for what we all have. Um, life could be so much harder for every one of us. And then he comes along and he's so thankful for, you know, a good deep breath and it just it's just great the way he looks at life and looks at the world. We got some good news. Our daughter Jessica was expecting a baby. All right. So next September, we should have a little baby. We look at it, the next little milestone that we can live for. You know, a birthday. You know, uh, Easter, yeah. resurrection, and celebrating Easter and life. Then before we know it, it'll be football season again. Yeah. <laughs> you have more little things to look forward to than big things. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I put my faith in, in Jesus. And uh, uh, I believe that there's more than this world. and. One day we'll, when we die, we, we all, you know, we'll, we'll be in heaven or we'll be in hell. And that's our choice. And I place my, my, my destination in the hands of Christ and what he did and not what I do. So uh, I believe, I believe what the Bible says. I believe uh, there's better to come for this. This world is just preparation for the next, and uh, without that, I don't know how I'd make it. I always think, you know, when we think about heaven, and we can't imagine how good it's going to be. And of course, we all, we all, you know, we make plans to to go there, but it's kind of always like my my ticket's bought, but I'm not ready. Quite ready to make the trip, but then uh, it's in Corinthians where it says, I have not seen the ear, not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man what God has in store for those who, who, those who love him. Well, I'm not looking forward to it, but uh, I don't believe a Christian dies alone. I believe the Bible tells us that he'll never leave and forsake us. And I think that's the most critical time you need him. So I put my faith that he'll be there. Think about the most beautiful thing here on earth. 
most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And it's on pale in comparison. What it's all all be. What's all gonna be one day. We still had a pain with this world uh, to go through. Uh, but that gives you hope. And as you know, I've told y'all before, we gotta have hope. Gotta have hope. What a great word. Ernest died a year and a half after that video was recorded. He entered into the splendor of heaven and received a new body, set free from a disease called ALS. As he lived his life here on the planet, he certainly lived out Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. As I listened to his words this morning, they reminded me of some of the challenges and struggles that our special needs families face every week. Ernest talked about that it takes so much energy to care for those that are struggling, care for those who have disabilities, to care for those who are in this pain. Yet God is faithful, and God provides the strength that is necessary. You wonder why AOS strikes a good, faithful person like Ernest. When he received the diagnosis at Duke, the doctor said, I hate to give bad news to good people. He received his diagnosis. He turned to his wife, and he said these words, I'm glad it was me and not you. Why does that happen to somebody with such a good heart? Why do we have trials and struggles in this world? Why do bad things happen to good people? Last week in this service here, Bill Balknight made a great statement. I shared the statement over in the auditorium. Not everything that happens is in God's plan, but everything is useful in God's hand. God does not intend everything that happens, but God superintends everything that happens. There's a difference between everything happening for a reason and everything being used for a purpose. It's a difficult teaching. You know, even while we're here this morning, somewhere in the world, 10 children will die from abuse or violence. By the end of the day, 100 children will die violently. And I, don't, I do not believe that any of those deaths is ever the will of God. Things happen every day that are outside the will of God. We've had a great discussion about this at length as we worked on this sermon series in our sermon team. And Nick said these words uh, that I agree with 100%. When he said, God did not allow or cause your baby to die in order to teach you a lesson. God did not make your spouse cheat on you to get your attention. The abuse you experience as a child is not and never will be in line with God's will. There are things that happen all the time that are not in line with God's will. But what does, that does not mean that God cannot use all those things for his purpose. That God will use those sufferings, those pains for his purpose. 
So this morning, what is the reason? And what's versus the purpose of struggle? We want to struggle with that tension, the reason and the purpose. Now, again, we could spend a lot of hours talking about the reasons for pain and suffering. There have been volumes written on pain and suffering. I want to suggest to you four possible reasons. The first is we live in a broken world. This world that we live in is not as it was intended to be. Because of the fall of humanity, sin has infected this world, and this world needs the gospel of Jesus. It's the reason that we go out every week to fight the effects of sin, to share the good news of Christ, to be a light into the darkness. The Bible says that this world that we live in is physically dying, and this world that we live in is under spiritual attack. In Romans 8.22, Paul said it this way, for we know that all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The pains of childbirth. Now, we know that those pains end in the birth of a child. And the groaning and pain of the creation will end one day in the birth of a new earth and in a new heaven. So we live in a world that is broken where it's We've made uh, environmental decisions. We've made uh, sinful decisions. We've made selfish decisions in our world, and it's broken. But one day, God says, you're going to get a new earth and a new heaven. Now, another reason is other people's bad choices and sometimes evil choices. We know as we prepare for the trial of Dylan Roof, the Charleston shooting was a terrible choice predicated on evil. We've read stories recently here in South Carolina, other deranged people making horrible choices, causing great harm, inflicting great pain. As humans, we make bad choices. We make mistakes. They can be simple things like driving while texting or driving under the influence. The potential to cause great pain and suffering for people just because of a bad choice. And then there's our own bad choices. All of us are sinners, and all of us make bad decisions. Just a few minutes ago, we prayed, Father, lead me not into what? Temptation. Help me not to make a bad choice. Help me not to cave in to the culture and do something that would put my family at risk, to do something that would put my health at risk, to put lives in danger. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Then another reason for the struggle and the pain is that there are other evil forces. Scripture is clear that there, are real enemy, there is a real enemy that opposes God and seeks to destroy us. There is a war going on in our planet between good and evil. And one of my favorite verses is John 10.10. 10 where Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. And he goes on to say in that same verse, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to inflict pain, to inflict disaster, to inflict struggle. I want you to know that God will use everything for his good. 
He can take all of those decisions and bring good from those decisions. When it comes to struggle that comes our way, I want you to know this morning that Jesus has the final word and the last say. I believe in his sovereignty. I believe that he is on the throne. He will have the final say. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Those are some reasons we have suffering in our world today. What about the purpose? What about the purpose of struggling? How do we flip the lens on struggle so we don't become bitter people? So we don't become broken people? So we don't become beaten down? How can we find the same joy that these wonderful special needs students have? How can we discover the same joy that you saw on the face of Ernest Porter as he battled Lou Gehrig's disease? And many others of you have seen who are good, godly people that overcome the struggle. How is it possible to find that joy? How is it possible to find that humility and that wisdom? And one of the ways is to realize that God will use those things. In our scripture this morning in the Philippians, Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I don't think Paul is saying that God caused those struggles, and there were many. We know from reading Scripture closely that Paul had a lot of health issues. He, he was beaten. He was put in prison. He was chained to Roman guards around the clock. He faced shipwreck. He was in the middle of riots, and he had the rigors of ministry. But Paul does see how God will use his struggle to advance the gospel. I shared with you before that in my own life, growing up as a child, there were some struggles and there were some pains as I grew up in a dysfunctional family in the middle of a broken home and how I was taken out of that home and placed into foster care. As I look back onto my life, that when I invited God into that confusion, when I invited God into that chaos, that God began to use all of that for his purpose, and I'm grateful that God uses our struggles to shape us, that God used those struggles to shape me and help me to be able to advance the gospel. I want you to see that this morning, that struggles and suffering can change us. It can change us for the good. And that's God's purpose, to change us for the good. The psychologist Jonathan Haidt says people need adversity, need setbacks, and perhaps even trauma to reach their full potential. Now, none of us are looking for trauma. None of us are hoping for setbacks. None of us want any additional adversity. But know that those are the things that can shape us, help us reach our full potential. I'm sure that uh, after your football team faces a tough loss, what do we say? You've got to learn from that one. <laughs> Hopefully we'll learn from that and we'll be better next week. You know, Hyatt says that with adversity and with setback and even trauma, if we look at those things through the eyes of faith, it'll make us stronger. We'll have better relationships. We'll have truer priorities. It's kind of what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. These words, from, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How can you rejoice? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops character or strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
I saw that confident hope of salvation on the face of Ernest Porter. I heard his confident hope of salvation through his belief in the resurrection. You know, Paul doesn't say we should glory or celebrate our sufferings. Let me be clear about that. We don't uh, pity, try to get pity in our suffering, but we celebrate in our sufferings, and there's a big difference between the two. You know, they, they result in reliance and endurance, better relationships, better priorities. Struggles and sufferings, they can change us, but also they can change others. When people see our faith and our joy in the midst of hardship, God is glorified and lives are changed. Our lives are impacted by these special needs students all the time. They have a way of changing us. The, you know, I, I believe that the special needs ministry is woven into the very culture of our church. And uh, whether it's the Sunday school ministry or the Bible school ministry, um, they are a part of who we are. Reuben is a part of worship over there, and if we get the right song going, Reuben's going to play air guitar in our service. And if you've ever been back there uh, in Reuben's section, you'll know that he's going to play the air guitar. And, uh, and then it's amazing, Reuben, you're always looking, looking at me. Look, let's give Reuben a hand for playing the air guitar. He's doing it now. <laughs> well, Lee's going to talk about uh, the disco ball. And if you know anything about Lee, she loves the disco ball here at our church. And we haven't had it for years. It's hidden in a closet somewhere. But we don't have a contemporary service where Lee doesn't say to me, we need more disco ball, you know. <laughs> or Mitchell's looking for Pastor Brian. Still looking for Pastor Brian. Wants to know what happened to Pastor Brian. These folks have a passion for life. And they change others. God is glorified in their lives. Do you want God to be glorified in the midst of your pain? In the midst of your struggle? then allow him to pour into you and pull that out of you. And then the third thing I would say is that through the purpose of struggle and suffering is God uses it to change the world. Change the world. You know, and I don't know how many people got to watch Ernest's video through the years, but the three things that are evident in that video to me as I got to watch it again, and the actual video is about 18 minutes, and we kind of carved it down for this service, Three things in the midst of suffering, and I think his witness helped change the world because in the middle of his battle, he was faithful. He was faithful. He never doubted God's love. Didn't mean it was easy now. It was a struggle. It was hard. It was painful. It was horrible. But he remained faithful to God. In the midst of that, he remained faithful to his family, and his family remained faithful to him. But he was also joyful. There was a sense of joy in his heart and in his life. And even as his life came to an end, and the only part of his body that really he could communicate with was his eyelids and blinking his eyes. But in, the, in his eyes, you could see the sparkle of joy. There was still that evidence of joy in his life. And then the third thing that uh, helped change the world is he was hopeful. He was hopeful. Why? Because he believed in the resurrection. He believed in the power of resurrection through his Savior, Jesus Christ. And his witness reached and changed people's lives. You see, Paul believed that his struggle helped advance the gospel to the world. And when you and I give God the glory, 
trusting his power in the midst of our pain and our struggle, it changes the world. So this morning, as we think about flipping the lens on struggle, flipping the lens on suffering, there are people here this morning that are in the midst of a battle with disease. There are things going on in your life that is painful. I want to give all of us four suggestions because if you're not in that place right now, you know somebody that is. And God wants to use you to take them away. I'm going to give you four scriptures that I believe give us the help we need to flip the lens. The first one, it seems simple, but it's powerful. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. What does that mean, focus on Jesus? There's a great word in Hebrews chapter 12. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of what? The joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In the midst of struggle, keep your focus on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus endured the suffering of the cross. Now, in the Roman world, the cross was the most painful way to die. But it was also the most shameful way to die. It was the place of humiliation. Here is the Son of God, perfect in every way, yet he suffers the humiliation of the cross. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. I believe that those who suffer the most on this planet receive the highest honor in heaven. Those who struggle the most, God has a special blessing in store for them. See, the cross was the ultimate symbol of shame, of defeat, until Jesus got a hold of it. And now, here it is, an enduring symbol of love and forgiveness and restoration. He transformed it into love and forgiveness and restoration. I believe that Jesus Christ can get a hold of your pain and get a hold of your struggles and get a hold of your suffering and bring good from it and transform it for his purpose. So keep your focus on Jesus. And secondly, remember that God is with you. God is with you. I love these words from Hebrews again, chapter 4. And I probably share these words more than any other scripture with people that are struggling with pain and suffering. This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced, say it with me, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. There's somebody here today that really needs the grace of God, the mercy of God, more than someone else. I, I want you to know that God is with you. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and we'll sing about Emmanuel. Jesus, Emmanuel, and we know that means God with us. God is with us through the power of his Holy Spirit.
Remember that. And then number three, live with hope. Live with hope. As Ernest said, you got to have hope. If you don't have hope, you don't have anything. You got to have hope. And he quoted from 1 Corinthians 2 9. I give it to you this morning. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about all that God has prepared for these special needs students. We can't imagine. Our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard what God has prepared for those who suffer, those who struggle, those with disabilities, and all of us who follow him in faith. Then the fourth thing I want to tell you this morning as you flip the lens on struggle is develop a community of hope. Develop a community of hope. God does not intend for us to go through our struggles alone. This is a place where you can find help. And I really appreciate what Melody had to say about this special needs community. A place where you can find help. A place you can find hope. And a place you can come alongside others who are going through the same struggles you're going through. I love this word from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. From the message version. All praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah. Father of all mercy. God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. God wants to use your suffering. God wants to use your pain. God wants to use your struggle so you can come alongside someone else who is in the midst of that same struggle. There are so many ministries in our church that form a community of hope. A brand new one that just started two weeks ago is called the Courage Center. It's, it's a new ministry that is reaching out to adolescents who are addicted to opiates. A mom and a dad whose son or family member was involved in some, some, some challenges in that way, struggles in that way, felt, felt a need to, to, to start this ministry here in this community. And now, on, also on Tuesday nights, uh, there is a parent support group that's meeting. And in talking with them yesterday, one of the things they said, it's great to know you don't have to be perfect. See, when you come into a community of, of hope, you know you don't have to be perfect because there's other people that are struggling just like you. And you take the mask off of struggle. And if we'd all quit pretending that we got everything all together, we'd get along a whole lot better in life by becoming a part of a community of hope. Here in our church, we have other great ministries that are a community of hope. We have divorce support groups. We have Survive and Thrive for teens of divorced parents. We have Grief Share support groups for those needing support after the death of a loved one. We have a brand new cancer support group for those who are suffering from cancer, their caregivers, and those in remission. And today, from two to four in the chapel, we have Surviving the Holidays an event to help those who are struggling with loss to get through Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And then we have wonderful Stephen ministers in our church who come alongside people who are struggling, who want to give an ear to listen to your pain and to be a part of your journey. Today, there are people here in the middle of a real struggle, a real battle, 
And it may be your fault. It may be somebody else's fault. There may be no explanation for why it happened. It's totally random and senseless. But whatever the cause is, you seem like your life is falling apart. I want you to know this morning that God has the final say, that God is the source of your hope, that you're not alone, he's in it with you, and that you need to keep your focus on Jesus who endured suffering and transformed it into the great splendors of God. See, our struggles, our failures, they happen, but they don't define us. They don't define us. You see, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If God can redefine the cross, then God can redefine you. If God can redefine the cross, he can redefine you. And this cross is a powerful reminder that God has the final say.